Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HBR Minute HCI podcast episode, I explore the recent HBR video, How Apple is Organized for Innovation, the Leadership Model. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this HBR Minute HCI podcast episode, where I'll be exploring the second installment in the How Apple is Organized for Innovation series. This is a three-part series offered by Harvard Business Review, where they explore the different aspects of innovation at Apple. This week, they're focusing on the leadership model. Last week, we explored the first installment in the video, the functional organization. And next week, I'll be looking at the third installment, leadership at scale. Ever since Steve Jobs implemented the functional organization, Apple's managers at every level, from senior vice president on down, have been expected to possess three key leadership characteristics. Deep expertise that allows them to meaningfully engage in all the work being done within their individual functions, immersion in the details of those functions, and a willingness to collaboratively debate other functions during collective decision-making. When managers have these attributes, decisions are made in a coordinated fashion by the people most qualified to make them. Thanks for joining me for this episode, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. Back in 1997, Steve Jobs implemented the functional structure at Apple. That is... He divided the company into departments based on domain expertise, rather than traditional business units. Ever since this change in structure took place, Apple's managers at every level have been expected to possess three key leadership characteristics. So you may recall from the first installment of this three-part series, which I explored last week, the functional organization. Steve Jobs, when he came back, and was placed as CEO in the 90s uh, after departing from Apple, uh, being forced out actually. Uh, he was invited back because they were going bankrupt. Uh, they just weren't functioning. And so he decided that he uh, wanted to shake things up and he went about organizational redesign in order to accomplish his goals towards a more innovative and learning organization. And so he established an organizational design and structure that was more functional in nature rather the more tip what was at the time uh, these these product divisions that oversaw different areas he saw it as very important to structurally set up uh, a system that would allow for all of the expertise within the organization to work together to bring about new products rather than being siloed 
And uh, we explored that video together uh, last week, and I invite you to go back and check out that in more detail. Uh, you can check out that episode to, to hear about all of the different uh, elements of why they decided to do that and how it uh, got implemented and got carried out. Now, in this episode, we're going to be focusing on leadership characteristics and traits, and they're about to lay out three very important characteristics that continue to be important at uh, Apple and that many other organizations have also uh, found to be very essential in order to have an innovative, creative, and learning organization. The first is deep expertise. Apple is not a company where general managers oversee managers. Here, experts lead experts. The company believes that it's easier to train an expert to manage well than to train a manager to be an expert. In a 1984 interview, Jobs said, do you know who the best managers are? They are the great individual contributors who never ever want to be a manager, but decide they have to be because no one else is going to do as good a job. The upside is this. Apple's 600 plus experts on camera hardware technology work in a group led by Graham Townsend, a camera expert himself, because iPhones, iPads, laptops, and desktop computers all include cameras. These experts would be scattered across product lines if Apple was organized in traditional business units. Consider how this would dilute their collective expertise and their power to drive innovations. First and foremost, they expect that every leader within Apple have deep expertise. Now remember from the functional organization episode that they don't have middle managers in the traditional sense, uh, the way that we often talk about it uh, at some organizations they have functional expertise, um, and that's how they organize uh, Apple. And so these leaders, in order to be effective, they have to have deep expertise. It's not enough for them to be able to manage other experts, which is often the case in many organizations, but they're expected to also share a level of deep expertise so they can be more conversant with the matter at hand. And so in this clip and the example uh, we, they talked about having expertise in terms of the dual camera lens uh, for the various Apple devices. If you had the expertise diluted and divided out across the organization into each product line, you wouldn't have the potential for these top experts across the organization to come together, have a meeting of the minds, and ultimately come up with the best possible solutions for the camera configuration for these devices. And essentially, they end up having uh, integrated kind of an approach where they can have similar types of, of camera options or any technical option for that matter uh, across devices. And they leverage the shared expertise across the organization. All of this is led by the organizational leader with that shared expertise as well. And so you, it can't be underestimated the importance of having expertise. I will say with a caution, though, we also have to be very careful that we don't allow leaders with expertise to think that they have all of the expertise. Uh, I don't think that's what they're suggesting in this video at all, um, but th that's something that I see in organizations often, where the, the leader sees themselves as the expert, the, uh, the with a capital T, so everything has to flow through them, and they don't trust or lean on their people, the other experts within their area. In fact, what we need is collaboration, and so we need to recognize that every 
every expert team, uh, they, they bring their own uh, insights to the table that are important to consider as we're trying to find the best possible solutions for whatever product or service that we're trying to provide through our organization. In this case, with Apple, of course, we're talking about iPads, uh, MacBooks, uh, iPhones, and such. The second leadership must at Apple is an immersion in the details. Apple believes leaders should know the details of their organization three levels down. They should be able to push, probe, and smell an issue, and know which details are important and where to focus their attention. Take, for instance, how as senior leaders pay extreme attention to the exact shape of products' rounded corners. Let's take a moment to understand this. The standard method for rounding corners is to use an arc of a circle to connect the perpendicular sides of a rectangular object, which produces a somewhat abrupt transition from straight to curve. In contrast, Apple's leaders insist on continuous curves, resulting in a shape known in the design community as a squircle. The slope starts sooner, but is less abrupt. The difference is subtle and executing it isn't simply a matter of a more complicated mathematical formula. It demands that Apple's operations leaders commit to extremely precise manufacturing tolerances to produce millions of iPhones and other products with squircles. And this deep immersion in detail isn't pushed down to the lower levels. It is central to the leadership level. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Knowing the details and being immersed. I find that really intriguing. And again, this is a potentially dangerous characteristic because what we don't want in immersion in the details is someone who's a micromanager. That's not what Apple is suggesting, uh, but I could see how that could easily get perverted in an organization where a leader feels like they need to be immersed and therefore they're up in everyone's business uh, and not allowing uh, the experts in their team to actually carry out the work that needs to be done. So immersion into the details doesn't mean micromanaging, but rather, as they said in this clip, it's about understanding the organization three levels down. You need to know enough 
that you understand the interplay and the interactions between different units, different divisions, different uh, product teams, different uh, innovation teams and such, uh, the different technical units and, and whatever the case may be for Apple specifically or any organization that we're talking about. Ultimately, we need to know enough as a leader uh, three levels down that we understand the complexities, the nuances, and the difficulties and challenges. When we're immersed in details in that sense, then we can smell, sniff out those problems that may arise. Uh, interpersonal problems, team-based problems, technical expertise problems, hiring and onboarding problems, whatever the case may be, any people-oriented type of an issue, or a technical and product issue. Uh, when we understand the details and understand the system, then we can be more proactive in how we lead it towards success. Again, I want to reiterate, though, this does not mean that we would have a license to micromanage. Immersing yourself in the details simply means you need to, to not outsource the responsibility for the details within the areas of your supervision. You have stewardship over those areas, so you need to understand them. You need to understand how they interplay with each other. Then you need to also lean on the expertise of your people and not micromanage them. The third leadership imperative at Apple is a willingness to collaboratively debate. Apple has hundreds of specialist teams across the company, dozens of which may be needed for even one key component of a new product offering. For example, the dual-lens camera with portrait mode required the collaboration of no fewer than 40 specialist teams. The collaborative debate approach involves people from various functions who disagree, push back, promote or reject ideas, and build on one another's ideas to come up with the best solutions. It requires open-mindedness from senior leaders and for them to inspire prod or influence colleagues to contribute towards these goals. I love this one, the willingness and necessity to meaningfully and collaboratively debate issues when you're trying to resolve concerns or bring about a new product line. If we want to innovate within our organization, there is no substitute for collaboration and having that kind of open discussion on an ongoing basis. You have to be able to push and pull. You have to be able to challenge each other's ideas. And they share the example of having you know, 40 plus different uh, design teams and technical teams coming together to try to uh, come up with a solution. Uh, now, Apple is a large organization, a complex organization. But even if we're talking about a small, uh, small organization, a small-scale mom-pop shop, um, a new startup, uh, or even a company that's starting to scale but only has dozens or even just hundreds of employees, we still need to be able to bring together a meeting of the minds and have an opportunity for people to push back on each other. That pushing, that tension, uh, that challenging of each other in constructive ways but in, in meaningful ways, that pushes us to refine our ideas and our thinking to uncover the problems before they occur, and then we can move uh, more positively into the future. That is what drives innovation. Uh, most innovation, most creativity does not happen with a spark of inspiration in one individual person. It usually is part of a process that's set in place with mechanisms to support innovation, knowledge sharing, uh, challenging, even speaking up and dissenting, where people can 
openly and honestly share their viewpoint without being punished for sharing their perspective. There has to be psychological safety there in order for this to happen. You have to have a culture where people recognize and understand that they are expected to contribute uh, and that they won't be uh, disciplined or harmed if they contribute in a way that seemed that seems uh, perhaps to be uh, challenging to whatever a leader uh, says that they want. This requires a lot of security on the part of the leader. Um, unfortunately, in my experience, many leaders are quite insecure. They are trying to hold on to power. They're trying to hold on and, and, and leverage themselves as the expert, the expert in their area, and they want everything funneling through them in a, in a sense to protect their job, or perhaps they have some imposter syndrome going on where they don't feel uh, totally up to the challenge, and so they want to put on a facade and, and make sure everyone knows that they are in charge and that they have everything handled. Whatever the case may be, whatever the reason for the insecurity, a lot of leaders are insecure. And so at a place like Apple, if you're going to have a collaborative type of culture uh, where people can openly and actively debate and challenge one another, you can't have insecure leaders. You have to have people that are open to that, who embrace it and even push for it and challenge others to challenge them. I think that's a beautiful thing. And when we see that in organizations, they tend to be more creative and innovative, more productive, and people simply uh, tend to have more passion for their work because they know that their voice is heard. To recap then, deep expertise, immersion in details, a willingness to collaboratively debate. When managers have these attributes, decisions are made in a coordinated fashion by the people most qualified to make them. Like it does at Apple, adding to its innovation and success. I think these are three excellent points that most organizations would do well to try to emulate in some way. Now, obviously, not every organization's an Apple. Not every organization's a tech company. Not every organization's trying to bring um, tech products to market. Uh, every organization, every industry is a little bit different, and they have to do what's unique and authentic to them and their leadership style and their culture. That said, I think these three elements uh, can help us as we try to uh, be more creative and innovative and to drive a more sustainable organization that can continue to be competitive in an increasingly hyper-competitive marketplace uh, where we're, we're facing challenges not just locally, not just nationally, but abroad in terms of labor, in terms of supply chain, and every other aspect of the organization. We have to be competitive and maintain our competitive advantage, and that only happens as we can drive innovation in a continual way, where we can leverage new technologies, where we can get the best expertise out of our people, and these three leadership characteristics, while not rocket science, I do think they're generally a bit rare uh, to have all of those characteristics within an individual leader. And uh, so we need to be looking for those types of things and then see how it fits with it within our specific context, within our particular organizational paradigm. As always, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week.
we are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.